what is the vision and where are you going in that direction as well? Because it, it can be a winding road that if you haven't got the tolerance for straight away, it's difficult. Welcome to the Power Hour, the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success. I'm Adrienne Herbert, international speaker, fitness coach, Adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Today's guest is a woman on a mission to help companies and individuals to get more happiness. She is a happiness consultant, podcaster, speaker, and coach. In her podcast, Love It, Leave It, she talks to philosophers, technologists, startup founders, and communication experts to find out how we can all get a bit more happiness in work and life. She delivers talks and masterclasses for The Guardian, Soho House, Stylist Live, and she is a lecturer at the School of Life. Welcome to the studio, author of Love It or Leave It, Samantha Clark. Hello. Welcome. Hi. It's so good to have you here and to connect. I know, I know. I'm really excited to kind of talk to you and just uh, feel, I already feel quite powered up yeah? being here. Yeah. Great. Thank That's you. always good. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously looking at your work and reading your book and looking at everything that you do, I think firstly, for anyone who's listening to this, who's like, huh? What is a happiness consultant or a happiness expert? Can you start off by telling us a bit more about what you do? Yes. So I spend my days um, helping individuals figure out what they want to do with their lives and what they should love or leave in order to find their work happiness. And because I just don't think it's uh, one side of the coin, I also work with companies helping leaders and uh, founders to really create the right environments that support, nurture and kind of elevate their employees. Right. And how did you, I guess, get onto this journey in the first place and figure out that, yeah, happiness was something that you wanted to help others with? And I guess, is there a qualification in happiness? How did you, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's such an amazing thing to be able to help people become happier. Yeah. So I had a really interesting, I guess, eclectic uh, route in. I was working in advertising and branding and I just didn't really feel the happiness. Uh, it's quite a toxic culture and there were so many questions going in my head around uh, do I need to be creative to be happier do I want to do something with my hands and I just felt in my current role I really wasn't stretching myself and I went on a journey to discover um, different elements around who I was to also build my confidence. So I took lots of footwear and fashion courses. And uh, I loved uh, kind of bringing people together and, and I was on the journey to create my own semi-bespoke footwear line. Unfortunately, we hit recession and my founders were like, mm, footwear is a bit, a bit money intensive. And so I thought to myself, okay, I've, I've got these branding and advertising skills. I've got this fashion. Uh, and a friend introduced me to somebody who had just been made redundant. 
And she said, I don't know what you can do for him, but I think, you know, he'd just do with a bit of a confidence boost, a bit of a, a morale and a bit of a shot for some new jobs. And so we got talking and the conversations were just around work, the job that he'd left. Who was he going to be as he became an entrepreneur or, you know, the next stage in, in his career journey in toxic cultures? And I loved it. And it became more of me being a kind of changing room work agony aunt. And I decided to retrain and uh, stretch myself as a coach and learn a bit more about psychology and behavior. And through having those conversations with people, they took me into their companies to do workshops. And I got my first kind of break, I would say, into the realm of happiness working with a tech company. And they were growing, but without a real vision of how to look after their people. And they were remote, so there were a lot of issues. And I pitched to them the idea. I said, look, I've got this pool of skills. I'm now teaching at the School of Life. I would like to create your internal happiness agenda coaching program. So I became the head of happiness for two years. And then after I left there, I was like, right, happiness consultant it is and just uh, set off on my journey. I love that. I love that story. I love hearing that, you know, you... I guess found that you had a skill already you know mm. as you said you sat down with him and you realized this is something I'm good at something that I'm enjoying mm. and then instead of saying oh well you know I don't know the path to building a career from this you set out to I guess just do the steps and mm -hmm. say okay maybe I could do this maybe I could do that talk to another person and kind of just built your own your own journey your own career path at the same time yeah I think we have to be open to the adventure not being so clear-cut I think we've been sold a lie that we have to get from the beginning to the end and it's going to be some fairy tale adventure. There's a lot of trialing, testing, experimenting. And I do encourage my clients to be open to this adventure of unknowing and being comfortable in the mess because it's through that and through the testing that you'll learn about what you like, what you gravitate towards, how people respond to you, where you naturally shine, where your strengths are. Um, and you know where you recoil and what things you don't want to do. So the more that we expose ourselves to things, um, the better it can be. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And I think when I have this, because I have this conversation actually quite often with people who will say to me, oh, Adrienne, you know, you do this and you do that. And they're like, oh, how could I, you know, for example, start a podcast mm. or, you know, work with brands or, and you know, I'll say to them, oh, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And often the barrier that comes up most that I hear from people is around, money and time so mm. they'll say to me well I work this job I'm working I have to be you know there for half past eight by the time I get home it's maybe seven so they're like you know what about they're like you know what about money like I can't just leave my job and mm. you know try and figure out what I'm gonna do and what makes me happy they're like you know what about money I've got bills to pay and then on the other side of that they're like once I've finished working I then come home I've used all my creative energy I've used all of my you know ideas and my I just don't want to do it in the evening you know if I mm. set them kind of a, like maybe try this or that <coughs> and then after four weeks they go, oh, I haven't had time, you know? So mm -hmm. do you hear that from people as well? I hear that a lot. Those are the core obstacles. It's that or I can't leave the training that I've just done behind to go into a new sector. And I, I say to them two things. One, you know, we live in an expensive city. We're in London. It is what it is. And so we have to really think about a strategy outside of that. Is there any way that you could start to renegotiate the hours of your job? Thinking about going down from a Friday, condensing your hours, having those conversations with your manager. And it's also about being really practical. I think 
unfortunately we're in a bit of a popcorn culture where we think we can get things immediately it might be that actually you have to carve out and say to yourself Friday morning I'm going to give myself an hour so if I know I'm productive get up an hour earlier mm-hmm. and do what's necessary or it's a case of actually my Saturday mornings are going to be dedicated to this and you educate others around you around how you're going to protect that space and set yourself a goal three months a month I need to have achieved X or this experiment needs to pan out and give me these results before I move on to the next thing and the same with money um, I always talk about creating your financial runway I never advise people to quit because I think that's the worst when you start concentrating on how do I pay the bills that you end up making very narrow choices and it's starting to save if I want to leave my job in six months nine months 12 months what's the runway that I'll need um, and what will I start to do even if it is creating a side hustle on the side um, you know how will I start to make this money and get really practical and sit down and do it but we can be uh, like deer in headlights sometimes and think oh actually no money no time we've all got the same amount of hours in the day it's how we choose to use them and be productive in that time as well Samantha, you are speaking my language. Guys, I didn't even pay her to say that. You get up an hour earlier. I love it. Um, But for, I guess, for anyone listening as well, you know, it'd be great, you know, hearing even just the word happiness. I love it. I smile when I say it. You know, it'd be great for us all to have more happiness in our lives. So is there something, where do we even start? Is there something that we could do today or this week, like an exercise or a framework, something we could try to figure out, okay, what? actually makes me happy and what Mm. can I do to get more of it Mm. so I like uh, one of the core exercises in my book is around the sweet spot and I think because happiness feels really amorphous it can be um, for some people it can be just a bit all encompassing and for others it's like actually I want to funnel it down into this area and I think there are four quadrants in our lives that we need to pay attention to and think about which areas need a bit more uplifting and why And so those four areas are thinking about yourself, uh, the relationship you have with other people, your work and your home. And it's asking yourself with my clients, I go through set questions and I get them to think about themselves. Okay, so how are you showing up for yourself? Are you nurturing and feeding your body? Uh, Which um, energies in your life are elevating or deflating you? And going around each of the quadrants, asking those particular questions with your relationships, there are any relationships that you feel like you've neglected? Which ones do you want to tap in more? Where are you missing or what are you missing in your support circle? Thinking about your home, is your home a place that's uh, giving you that peace of mind? So when you come home from work and you shut the door, you feel calm, you feel like you can be creative, you can curate, you can also be idle to let ideas flourish. And also thinking about your work, is it... Um, set up to help you become the person you want to become? What are the values and elements in your work that you like to tweak? What are the goals? And getting people to really analyze and think, okay, which areas in my life are slightly off? And which ones could do with um, a bit more of a push? Or which ones do I need to dedicate more focus and time on? And that will raise my levels. And it's almost like thinking about like a water bath. I think we're going to go through peaks and troughs. And I don't think happiness is like all glee all the time. Mm. There is going to be um, some downtimes. It's how we deal with that and develop the resilience to kind of... Um, understand and appreciate why we might be going through a a bit of a a trough point and what we can do to come out of that and also that there might be some areas which have taken over our lives which have made us unhappy and how we can bring it back or um, 
you know, check in and get other people to hold us accountable to certain things that we want to change. And so going through, if you sit down right now and think in these four areas of my life, you know, what's working, what isn't, what do I want to change? Who might I bring along to help me keep that momentum? And um, what's the one thing that I could do to make myself feel better or to enhance a relationship or to change or tweak something at work or in my home space? Do I need to declutter? It's as simple as that. Mm. And then you, you'd start from there. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Actually, there's two things I was nodding along and thinking. One was I love the idea of, you know, the four quadrants and actually committing and writing down. I'm big on writing things down mm. because I think once you do that, you're forcing your, you know, you're giving attention to all of those areas. And mm. as you said, I think often people just focus on maybe work or maybe maybe family, kids, but actually looking at you started with self. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's really good to draw attention to that. And then the second thing I liked that you said a couple of times was like, okay, who's in, who's, which relationships or which work, who could help me? Mm. And this is the word help, I think often is missing from a lot of people's mm. narrative. They don't think they can ask for help. It has to all come from them. So it's like, okay, I'm going to write this list. I'm going to change my life. I'm going to do it. Mm. I have to, you know, build this business or I have to, I don't know, change my career, earn more money. It's all about I, I, I. And I think that puts so much pressure on people. They feel overwhelmed. Often they feel, you know, maybe just inadequate. I can't do it. I'm not, I don't have the skills. I don't have the confidence. When actually, as you said, help, you can ask people in your network or people that maybe reach out to someone online or course or anyone who could actually help you to get there. You don't have to do it on your own. Yeah, I think it's a big thing because obviously as society is evolving, we're no longer looking to certain institutions to kind of help us and we feel like it's all got to come inwards. And actually, there's something really great about one, identifying the type of help you need and two, figuring out how you'll articulate that need to somebody else and uh, three, finding the right people. And I think we need to be better at one, um, being okay asking for help because it's not a weakness. It's actually quite empowering to say, do you know what, I know how to do X, I'm, I'm worried with this. And I've identified that you're an expert or you could help me or actually um, you've asked if you can help and actually this is how I need help. And I think it empowers a lot of people who can be of assistance to know actually you need that from me and I can do that for you. And it feels good and it's a reciprocal growth thing as well. But I think we do stop, we do stand in our own way sometimes when we don't um, reach out and think we can find everything. And there's only so much we can find online until actually a conversation with somebody will help you go from here to there or just to open up your mindset around it as well. Mm, Absolutely. And also, as you said, then it it helps out both people. Mm. So actually as well, thinking about who you can help. So Mm. like in service of others saying, okay, what skills do you have? What what person do you know in your network that you could introduce and saying, okay, I could help this person out. Mm. Because as you said, you're always going to, it's always going to be a two way street. You're always going to gain as much value as you give. Yeah, totally. And I think there's a great book by um, Michael Benge Steiner and he says there are three different types of people we should have in our network or look out for in terms of support. And he says that there's people who love you. So getting the kind of nurturing, if you're realizing that the self area or the relationship areas, you do want some more people who will give you that confidence boost or help you with the motivation. There's also the people... um, with influence maybe you're starting something and you could do with someone who is connected or is a connector to help widen your network and um uh the people with skills so if there's a skill that you're lacking who could do skill swaps with or find somebody and i think every time keep asking what can i do to help you too 
and it will just grow from there. Mm, I can attest to that. I feel like I'll often, I think because I love people so much and I love to talk. So I talk to everyone in the room and I think honestly looking back when people ask me about my career journey, I know it's because of the people in my network. Mm. It's the people. It's not me, you know, doing everything on my own. It's actually not being afraid to, yeah, I guess be in the room, have that conversation, follow up. Mm. I am the, I love, you know, people hate networking in the UK. It's like, oh, the word networking, it's mm. like gross. But I just think every interaction, every conversation is, kind of networking you know mm. and it's a chance to build relationships it's not networking just in I need therefore I take it's a case of actually let's just go on a journey together mm. and, and explore yeah absolutely something that I really like about your work and what I've read with the book is that you help individuals but also businesses and their employees so because you know not everybody is meant to be an entrepreneur or to or would thrive in the self-employed life and I think that actually it's been put on a pedestal now and kind of idolized as this the best dream thing you can do is yeah quit your job follow your passion this is the true way to be happy is to actually you know travel and work remotely with your laptop Mm -hmm. and you know it's kind of this sold idea that if you're not doing that then you're working for some corporate you know I don't know giant and you're never going to be happy Mm -hmm. but actually I think it's great that you've you know highlighted the fact that employees have a res- employers have a responsibility to help as well so yeah what do you think about the whole you know you quit the quit your job hit the road or actually there's a lot to gain from being part of a team and maybe leading others as well yeah I find it um, fascinating I lead a workshop at the Guardian called love it or leave it would you believe it mm-hmm. um, and there's so many people who come and like oh my god I can't stand my job I want to leave I'm ready to quit and I say to do what and they say, oh, I might start working for myself or I might find another job. I, d- I don't know, but I just need to leave. And I think I want people to just be a bit calmer and just to get still and think, okay, where is the pain? That's a core area that I get people to think about is where is the pain? And is it in the relationships? Is it in the actual job roles and responsibility and the tasks? Or is it actually you're fed up with the industry that you're in? And then you can start to navigate and think what changes are actually right for me? Because I think there's so much beauty in um, you know, seeing the diamond in the rough that is your job. And some people, after the end of my, my workshop, are like, God, actually, my job's pretty awesome, but I could do with having a better conversation with my manager or managing up. Or actually, yes, I've come to the end of the road in um, food and I'm really interested in moving into advertising, maybe taking some of my food skills and becoming a client in client services over there. And I think we need to... Um, be really open to the fact that it's not just quit and find your passion or follow your passion which is a load of BS as well it's can I take the time and think realistically how can I fall in love with this how can I think about my own way in which I show up at relationships at work how can I also help change the culture from within if I feel like there's an issue there or actually could I hack my job in some ways and then if actually if you've exhausted all of that and it's really like do you know what, I'm ready to leave or actually I've been working on an opportunity in my early hours of the morning and it's ready to fly and therefore I must leave, great. But have a plan. Um, I'm very methodical in my methods and I think that you've got to have a very actionable way of moving forwards. Otherwise, the, just quitting, it's not for everybody. That comes with its own issues around mental health, money, thinking about your support system. It's a whole different um, level of, of accountability you need. 
and also what is the vision and where are you going in that direction as well because mm. it, it can be a winding road that if you haven't got the tolerance for straight away it's difficult mm, well honestly I feel like I see it a lot right now actually online I don't know if it's like a cultural shift but I'm just seeing this message which I think is really irresponsible which is telling people particularly young people if your job does not make you happy quit mm. and you know what chase your dream follow your passion and start your own business and like I think as I said not everybody's cut out for that so do you think there's any kind of I guess like personality tell traits or things that you could go okay these things make you I guess more or less suited to yeah being self-employed starting your own business versus working in a team or with somebody else I think a core thing to identify with is values and how far do you value security do you value working um, with a team being immersed in an environment where there are other people that you can bounce ideas off thinking about whether or not um, you want to start a lifestyle business or actually build a business because that's very different as well uh, do you need funding or do you want to be this kind of big entity or are you kind of happy actually channeling your work and I think there is also happy medium where we still could be part-time employed and doing shorter condensed hours and doing something else on the side and I find it, it is really irresponsible to say yes quit your job and I think there's a lot of I guess from a millennial perspective and the Gen Z it's like oh they're so uh, quick to say when they're not happy at work but I think companies would do well to service and figure out why that anguish what makes them feel unhappy in the first place and what can we do to ease that tension to create better environments to listen to co-create and offer better happiness initiatives or well-being initiatives so that they'll end up staying mm. um yeah because the job for life thing kind of you know thrown out the window now isn't it and people yeah. apparently change jobs every 18 months i read which is you know crazy quick but also when you were talking then it made me think about what about when people, I know a few friends who are in certain industries where they're like, okay, I'm kind of at the bottom of the rung and I'm getting paid not very much. I'm doing really, really insanely long hours. I'm working in the city. You know, it's, I don't really have a life outside of my job mm-hmm. because I have no social time and, you know, it's literally 24 hours. But they're like, I have to do this now, Adrienne, because it's kind of like the first step. And then once you've done this for however long, you then get to the next step and the next step. And they're, they're kind of in an industry that has this quite clear ladder mm-hmm. that if you just you know stick with it keep your head down and get there then eventually you'll have you know the assistant and then you'll have the promotion and it kind of is like is there a part where you just suck it up and just do the work you know get underpaid you're in the city and you just do it what do you think about that I think it's um it's up to you to really think about what is the value in the trajectory that you want to go on if you know actually I want to do that I think there is something um about tolerance and really understanding actually that for this process in my life it might mean that I have to suck it up and I don't have the hours unless obviously your job is making you sick that's a different problem but I think um, I really would like to instill that consistency of purpose and actually if I do want to get here in a couple of years I've got to put in the hard graft and maybe that's something possibly I'm, I'm probably at the tail end of the millennial spectrum but I understood that ethos of working and hustling and climbing your way up the ladder to get to where you wanted to and then there were different opportunities and I think now sometimes we, we might want to shortcut that and it's not always the best way so it's just having a conversation with yourself and seeing actually if the trajectory in the industry is what I want you know if you do want your boss's job and the boss 
and the job above that and this is the road that they've taken it might be that you have to do that and if realize if you realize um that actually you're looking at the job and you're thinking it's not for me then you make some changes mm. um and then you you do that in a very uh, methodical way as well uh, versus just being like oh it really sucks but fundamentally if it's not for you and you don't want it then what are you going to do otherwise yeah, for sure. I think I the more people that I speak to and the more interviews that I do and, you know, I find out people's career journeys and how they got there. And nine times out of ten, they earn their stripes. You know, they're all, whatever success they've had in whatever industry, mm. they can all tell me about that first job or that first year or that first three years. Mm. And they're like, yeah, you know what? I had to do the rubbish yeah. jobs. I had to work the long hours. I had to do all these things. But it got me to where I am. I don't know anyone that kind of, you know, the overnight success or the kind of, you know, I should be here, I should be there. It's like, well, there's a lot of people out there who will do the work. Yeah, and I think there's nothing wrong with cutting your teeth on some really menial tasks to think about, you know, how do I fare with um, certain types of activities and how, you know, think about your network as well. A lot of my network are very pivotal. Um, whilst they might have been in advertising, like when I'm switching to coaching, there's relationships that you've built that are solid that can take you further. And I think just having that work ethic is, will serve you well, especially if you do choose to work for yourself, um, because you will need to put in the hours when no one's looking and, you know, when you're toiling away and everyone else seems to have a million followers or whatever and you've just been grafting and doing your thing consistently every day. And it works in the long run. Yeah. Amen. Okay, so let's talk about the book, Yay. Love It or Leave It. Who did you write this wonderful book for? Oh my gosh. So I, I've been doing workshops for many years now and I just met so many people who were frustrated between wanting to try something new, wanting to change jobs, but also not knowing how to have the certain conversations in the workplace to create better relationships or to uh, better pitch who they were or the things that they wanted to try and and I felt like there was a lot of advice that's follow your passion do this um, but no real actionable steps like how do we identify what the pain is that I'm suffering in at work and I find that it's a real mix of people who are um, kind of 30s upwards uh, who are kind of in a job thinking either is this going to be the place that I stay for the next period of time? Do I want this next promotion? Is now a right time for me to start a business, especially if I'm thinking about mat leave or going away? But also a lot of uh, the generation who are probably in their late 30s, early 40s upwards, who are slightly risk adverse, thinking, do you know what, I've been in this for a while now and it's paid the mortgage, it's served us well, we've got kids. I've, I've been dying to change for ages, but I can't. And so I'm speaking to those individuals and, and giving them the practical steps to say it is possible, it is achievable without throwing everything out the window. Mm -hmm. And I just really wanted to help people uh, feel supported on the journey and to know that there are two parts. I'm not just trying to sell you the, the glorified, yeah, work for yourself route, because I do think there's something powerful about staying where you are 
and being a plain detective and working it out from the inside. Mm. And what has the response been like so far to the book? Because you must, with your work, get, it must be so rewarding to kind of help people on that journey mm-hmm. and then witness, you know, their career change or their new path. You know, you must have some wonderful success stories. Can you share any? Yeah, so I think um, there's quite a few. So one lady in particular, um, she came to my workshop and she was very adamant that she was going to leave. And uh, we went through a bit of a coaching journey together and she realized she was able to go to her boss and um, better uh, discuss what she wanted to do on her day off and actually uh, like significantly get that day off. And now she's like, I've got a new healthy respect for my team. I understand the characters in my team. I think we had lots of issues and anxieties amongst us because I didn't understand their perfect. I didn't understand their character profiles and how I could get the best out of them and vice versa. Um, So that's been like a really uh, kind of great case study looking at someone who's decided to stay, but also how it's changed her team and how she's leading as a manager differently. Uh, From people who've chosen to uh, kind of leave or were starting out on their entrepreneurial journey, I've helped an amazing woman who was starting out in PR. And just for her to also balance her mental health on the journey was quite important for us. So we kind of went through the the different rhythms and the wind up and the wind down routines and how she could look at her kind of be happy first mantra, which is my way of helping people who are in service look after themselves first before they they give to others. Um, There's been so many different stories of people who've like changed jobs in their mid 40s and just said actually used to be a lawyer. I'm now working in um, food and culture and uh, recipe design, complete different switches. And so it's it's a real mix of people who um, are kind of trialing and fixing and tweaking within a company Mm -hmm. and people who are like actually I'm redesigning what work should look like for me and how I want it to show up for me I love that because I'm big on transformation change I think you know we can always start fresh we can always start a new project and I think it's really nice for people to hear examples to know that a it is possible and b it's never too late no and I think you know just start today and I think one of the core exercises I offer is like um, the ideas lab and I'm getting people who might be in a job that feels like it's giving you the steady bread and butter but it's not your calling and how could you start to create different experiments and put together a hypothesis of what the end thing might be and prove and test it over a period of time. So getting people to really take their, because that's a big thing as well I see with my clients. I've got a million ideas or I've got no idea around what I want to do. And it's like giving people that journey that you can fit in after work, before work, on the weekends and keep growing from there. Mm -hmm. So you can see if some of your ideas are just, you know, going to stay in that pile or could move over to be something quite fruitful for you. Fantastic. And so you've mentioned a few times already about, you know, maybe after work, maybe before work. And as you know, I am an early bird. And so I'd love to talk to you about the power hour. So with my power hour, I'm sure the listeners of the show are bored of hearing it. You know, wind the clock back, reclaim some time for yourself in the morning. But I just really want to be clear, I guess, that I never want it to get twisted that I'm like, everyone has to get up at half five and be productive. That is certainly not the message. You know, I want to encourage people to say, you know what, there is only 24 hours in a day. And as you said earlier, we've all got the same amount of time, but it's about our own choices and taking back the power, you know, taking back 
this, our own schedule because mm. the rest of the day for me that's when you know my time is given to others and that's when there's distractions like emails and whatsapps and work and kids and all of that whereas the first hour I find is when there's the least distractions and the mm. least kind of demand on me so I'd love to know from you the happiness expert can having a morning routine help us to become happier people yes I believe it's both so I'm going to kind of play a little bit on uh, turn oh, it on the you head yes uh, yeah, yeah we'll just cut it there yes, uh, yes. <laughs> that's, that's the answer yeah 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 <laughs> no the answer is definitely but I also believe there's a wind down routine too okay great and I think that how we set ourselves up for the day is setting yourself up for success and giving yourself the extra hour, if you can't manage an hour, extra half an hour, just to be aligned with your inner anchor around how you want to go into the day, how you're going to energetically feel. Maybe it's listening to a podcast, you know, doing 30 minutes of reading in the morning or yoga, or even just, you know, putting on a diffuser and just sitting and absorbing this, the smell and feeling your senses and just um, waking up yourself in a really healthy and mindful way. I also think that that in the evening plays well to people who are night owls. And when everyone, the emails stop coming through, the kids are in bed and your partner is probably out or whatever. And you have that time before you fall into bed, because I think a lot of people just fall into a dead sleep. And it's thinking, how do I create the space to wind down from my day, to distill my thoughts, to really think about the space and uh, pre preparation for sleep? Uh, and maybe it is or it might be reading something it might be just jotting down some creative ideas that you haven't had time to think about during the day or you know connecting the dots on a project and I think both of those things are really powerful to like make sure that your day is steered in the right direction mm. yeah I agree with that I actually had an episode with a sleep expert called Dr Sophie Bostock mm. and she talked a lot about this you know the winding down in the evening is just as important as you know whatever time you're going to get up mm. so what time do you wake up in the morning mm. and what's the first hour of your day like? So my wake up depends on how late I've gone to bed the night before. So there are a couple of days in the week where I am up at 6.30, which back in the day never used to be my thing. And um, the days that I'm not up that early, I'm up a bit later, so say 7.30ish. Um, I do have a wind up routine. Mm -hmm. uh, it's an hour. I like to get up and put on my diffuser. Um, I love to have different scents in the morning, a bit of lemongrass or um, I've got this, a couple that I really love from Neil's Yard. Put that on, uh, put my kettle on and I'll make some kind of hot water with lemon and then I'll really just um, choose what I'm going to meditate to that morning. So I love um, Lala Dahlia, um, Vibrate, hi vibrate uh, Higher Daily. Or, is that an audio or a video? So she does um, different, she's got a few on Insight Timer and um, she also has um, some on her, I love her newsletter because it's just a breakdown of different um, meditations or affirmations you can say. Mm -hmm. I also uh, will mix that up with either just me sitting in my own kind of non-guided meditation or something by Deepak. And then I will uh, read for a little bit as well, so 20 minutes of reading. And then I will journal or voice note. I'm, I'm trying to get better at journaling. I feel like I'm, because I'm a natural speaker, I just like to speak into a voice note about how I want my day to feel, be, um, if there's anything that I want to download, any dreams or thoughts I've had while I'm sleeping. Um, and that is, uh, and then I'll just do a, a bit of stretching before I go to a yoga class. 
Right. Uh, so yeah, that's how I like to start my day. So it sounds nice. It's quite chilled. Yeah, it sounds calm, but also, yeah, as you said, like energizing and I guess quite inspiring if you're putting creating straight away you know by putting your ideas down mm. I really like the idea of doing the voice notes I think as as the same I, I love to talk and mm. actually the idea of sitting down and journaling I usually do that before bed so yeah. I clear my mind like I mean just write these things down so I won't forget them I write down a to-do list and I circle the top three as in like mm. those are the priorities but writing it down yeah I don't know just sitting there writing I think I'd really like the idea of just recording a voice note to just let all my thoughts flow out yeah that's that's great it's really nice and it's just you know you can just wake up and um i guess the view from my window is kind of just nice looking out can see the sky and i just talk about what i want the day to feel like again it's a mixture of affirmations anything that i've been thinking about creatively um any meetings that i want to go really well that day or just thinking about my agenda for the day and reminding myself like to stand in my power on certain things uh and it's nice to play that back sometimes if i'm stuck on the tube or you know just as a reminder especially if you've got those dips if you are someone who's doing a portfolio career a multi-hyphen and you're rushing from one place to another it can be like a good grounding mechanism i find mm. uh to make sure that i'm steady and in alignment with everything else i'm trying to do that day and like you in the evening for me writing down um or I might listen to an audio book, but it, I find that that writing or journaling is like brain dump for me. It's not the creative weaving. And I think there are loads of other techniques I could employ, but I don't I don't naturally gravitate to journaling in that way. Mm, so yeah, it's just to clear, clear my, my mind. Also, you mentioned about meditation. Mm. So I'd love to know, have you meditated for a long time? Is that a new thing? Did you learn to meditate? What was your journey into meditation? Because for a lot of people, they'll recommend meditation or they'll say, oh my gosh, meditation will change your life. Everyone should meditate. Um, and I hear it, people are like, no, 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 meditation's not for me. So mm. yeah, what was your journey? So um, I would say that on and off, I used to, I'm an only child, so I, always, I do like my own company. And I would sit there with my eyes closed and just thinking. But then I guess for me, I would allow myself to get carried away with my thoughts versus I guess meditation is noticing them and letting them dissipate. And then I took a certification. I took the Gross National Happiness um, Certificate, which is basically looking at the Bhutanese model of happiness that they've instilled across the country and becoming a facilitator or trainer in that. And as part of my training, there was a massive module on meditation and being mindful. And so we learned different techniques, different types of meditation, guided, non-guided, um, and how to kind of quiet and steady your mind from a, uh, and lots of uh, Buddhist techniques. So that training for me was pivotal in thinking, okay, how I've been approaching it before and how I want to move forward and approach it. And there are still some tweaks, um, but yeah, no, so I, I, I've had formal training mm -hmm. um, and I had, I guess I've been on my own journey as well, but the formal training definitely helped to solidify a few things. I always say to my clients who um, don't enjoy meditating or feel like it's difficult, like I had a, f a conversation with a friend recently, she's like, oh, I'm just not a meditator. And I said, but you're seeing it as, no, she was, she was thinking that meditation was about just enabling her to be more productive later. And I said, it's just about being still with yourself and just noticing what's coming up, what keeps coming up, whether or not it's ideas or negativity or whatever, and just kind of seeing it dissipate and thinking about what is your internal temperature check. Like, I feel like meditation for me is like 
uh, checking my temperature, checking where my water levels are at and just being still with myself. And I think we're in such a on the go society rushing from here to there. It's just nice to just be still, to do a body scan, even if you can't be quiet, it's just gently scanning your body. Where am I feeling any pain? Is there any tension? How can I let go of that? And just kind of getting into a rhythm with yourself. And the more you can check in with yourself, the more you make better decisions. And you can say, actually, that compass is slightly off. And I knew when I did that intuitively, I didn't want to. So the more that we check in, we can get stronger with our intuition too. Mm, Might be a bit too woohoo, but... No, it sounds good. And I think often people have a preconceived idea of what meditation is. Mm. So even that description, I think, will hopefully be useful. I have one more question for you about happiness. Mm. And that is about, I'd love to know, who are the happiest people? So is there any study, I'm sure there's probably lots of... You know, different groups, different demographics, different age, different nationalities. Is there a specific group of people that are the happiest? Mm. I heard someone recently saying that we actually get happier as we get older. Mm -hmm. And this this specific research was around, you know, age. And it was actually saying, surprisingly, that the happiest people were between the ages of 55 and 65 because of lots of different lifestyle factors and choices, which surprised me. But yeah, do you know, is there a group of people that are the happiest? Mm. So for a long time, uh, on the International Happiness or International Day of Happiness, uh, on the 20th of March, they always uh, submit a country study. So I think um, Denmark have been quite high on the list. I think they've just been beaten by Finland. Um, and I, I do believe that there are lots of cultures where uh, family first, connection, closeness, uh, closeness to nature, all of that's quite... Uh, Nature's in- definitely up there, isn't it? Definitely. Being outside and, and being... And relationships. Yeah. And so New Zealand, the Prime Minister there, is also looking at how to weave more well-being into the country state and that being part of their model versus just uh, focusing on productivity um, the, obviously, Bhutan is the home of where happiness started and gravitated from, and you know they have been they've replaced GDP with gross national happiness as a way to funnel happiness through their society across nine pillars. Um, I've done a lot of work in Dubai, and they are obviously working on a happiness initiative across Dubai, looking at it from a governmental perspective all the way down to general population. And I do think that there is something. Uh, quite beautiful I think also about the age group of 50 plus where you're a lot more calmer in your choices Um, there's a lot less maybe financial implications especially if you're in the kind of baby boomer generation 60 plus where times were probably a little better for you back compared to where they are now and um, I find that the millennial generation or Gen Z are not as happy uh, suffering from a lot more mental anxiety mental anguish um, whether or not that's through tech or or not, um, different studies say different things. Mm. But I think there's a lot more input. They've grown up with a lot more tragedy or political and economic uncertainty. And uh, there's just a lot going on. So that triggers our mental and emotional well-being. Um, but they are a lot fitter. So they're taking care of themselves and not drinking as yeah. much. Um, fitness is, is quite core and central to their being. Uptake of meditation and mindfulness. So I just wonder whether or not the people in the middle, (laughs) um, middle age, are just stuck because that's where you have the most amount of expenses, the most amount of life changes, married, maybe you've got kids, um, you might have gone through a first divorce perhaps, uh, your parents are also getting older, all of these different ages. So I think that in the middle there is a squeezing of lots of life tensions which cause us to be a bit unhappier. 
Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, when you think about that and the the one that I was listening to saying about the 50 plus, they also said that that's when people are most happy with their appearance. Mm. And they said, you know, it was surprising, you know, again, people might look back at a photo of themselves at age 20 and think, oh, my skin was great. I didn't have grey hair, whatever. But actually it was saying they're happier with their appearance the older they get because it's almost that thing of, I don't know if it's just about acceptance, but also perhaps, you know, gratitude to have a healthy body, to, you know, be able to, you know, be fit and active if you've seen mm. others around you, maybe suffer from illness mm. or disease so it was really interesting to know and I kind of thought great that's something to look forward to that yeah. you're just going to like you know be 55 and thinking I'm feeling myself but I wonder you know to flip that on the side I wonder if because there is so much pressure from advertising and magazines at a certain which is all geared towards a certain demographic youth 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 youth, yeah. youth, youth look this certain way and they stop marketing at the 45 or the 50 plus individuals so we're not they're not um, subject to all of that pressure mm. so they can just be mm. and I think you know as we are young up until 40s or whatever there is this pressure to kind of conform to look like this or everyone must try and have this healthier appearance and then when it, when you stop being bombarded with those images you're like actually I'm pretty awesome um, and I think there needs to be more of uh, you know images of older individuals anyway so that we can kind of see actually beauty there's beauty in and grace in aging mm. Definitely. Well, a bit of a tangent, but I love it. It's so interesting. I love this kind of thing. Yeah. So I would love to ask you, before I ask you my closing question, I'd love to tell the listeners where they can find you, your work, your workshops, your Instagram, and of course, the Love It or Leave It book. Yay. So first and foremost, my website, www.loveitleaveit.co. And you can find out more about the book and you can pre-order from there. And also about our Love It, Leave It life experience, which is the continuation on from the book uh, I also have my own website samanthaand.co uh, Instagram at samanthaand underscore and at underscore love it leave it underscore um, I also teach at the School of Life um, and The Guardian so you can look on their pages for events she's everywhere I'm she's everywhere, everywhere. if you type in Samantha love it leave it you'll yeah, find everything exactly. which is brilliant Samantha Clark happiness consultant love it leave it you'll see me my you smiley will. face you will. <laughs> a beautiful beautiful radiant smiley face oh. and glowing skin oh thank you I'm looking at that skin like wow she's <laughs> I'm got looking the... at yours I'm like wow <laughs> so the glow up is happening the glow in up here. is happening <laughs> okay and my closing question Samantha which I asked every guest this year is if you had one extra hour every day, so from now on, every day is going to be 24, 25 hours, what would you use that extra hour to do? Oh, this is a tricky one because I feel like I would either use it to read or listen to audiobooks more just because there's so many on my list and I'm, I'm oh, how do I get through it all? Or um, I love recipe hacking and just trying out new things in the kitchen and making... Uh, what I call little spice bombs at the moment so I feel like I'd, I'd play with food a bit more in that extra hour yeah you can maybe do both ba- yeah have the audio book exa- playing exactly and then you can be cooking away genius yeah <laughs> yeah I'm all about that multitasking <laughs> multitasking yeah yeah but I do I feel like those are the, the, the two things that I'm really loving at the moment and yeah that's great mm. that's great although I've heard that multitasking is not, not productive no. so we should do things in isolation according to Cal Newport so either yes. read Deep and work. listen yes yeah. I mean fantastic I basically book. I read this book I think I've talked about it on the podcast before it's called 
deep work by Cal Newport. Mm-hmm. And I, when I read it, I was like, right, Adrienne, this is it. You're going to mm-hmm. get focused. I'm still trying. I'm still mm-hmm. trying. I'm very easily distracted. Yeah, I think it's unfortunately the nature of the beast and the society that we're in with tech and it's constantly there to make us distracted. You should read Nir El's new book, okay. um, Indistractable. Okay. Looking at how, because he obviously worked uh, on the other side of the coin, helping to create the tech that distracts us. Mm. So he looks at the techniques around stepping back from the tech so that we can be a bit more focused. Great. I will add it to my list. Thank you so much, <laughs> Samantha. And thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really hope that you enjoyed this. And I'm sure lots of people are going to share this and reach out and tell us their thoughts, their ideas, because I know this is going to resonate. I have these conversations with people so often around career change or following their passion or finding what truly makes them happy. So thank you, Samantha. And as always, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate, review on iTunes and to subscribe. See ya. Bye. Bye. Thank you.